Welcome to the Bourbon Book Club, a bookish podcast for readers, writers, and literary lovers alike. Everyone has a seat at our table, so bring a book, grab a drink, and join the conversation. to the Bourbon Book Club. I am your co-host, Sydney, here with my co-host, Danny. We love that. Don't they flow together so well? Um, <laughs> welcome to your favorite bookish podcast where we are going to talk about books, we're going to drink alcohol, and we're going to have a great time. Yeah, so take a seat, grab a drink, and join the conversation. This is a perfect segue into what am I drinking right now, as you can hear me gulping. Um <laughs> So this is our first episode. I think it would be a great time to explain how we are going to be choosing the drink of the month, um, which is what I'm drinking. This is a fun and fresh New York sour, which coincides with the book of the month that we've also chosen, which is Verity by Colleen Hoover. Our queen. Absolute. We bow down to her. If you're listening, you're probably not. But if you are, by chance, I would die for you. We will get this in her hands. We will send this link to her and she will enjoy this. She will enjoy the whole episode because mostly it's about her and her beautiful writing. (laughs) Love that. Love that. Like this isn't a love letter to her, but it is. So. And so will every episode from here on out. That could be our tagline. Be like, okay, you guys. Bye. And also shout out to Colleen Hoover. Thank you so much. Colleen Hoover. And the Yes. Our queen, our deity, everything. Um, and then, so since our book of the month is going to be Verity, we are going to have, like uh, Sydney said, our recipe card on Instagram that's going to have the New York Sour that she is drinking. I, on the other hand, did not get the memo. I did get the memo. I just have had way too much bourbon in the last few days. Um, so I am drinking something that is not a New York Sour, which we're happy with. We're fine. It's vodka. I'm feeling it already. Oh, yeah. And it's 3.45 p.m. my time. <laughs> So oh, it's we're great. Not here to judge. You drink whatever you want during this. Exactly. If you want hot chocolate, that's fine. Send us your recipes for that because I mean, we've got that season coming, so. Oh, I would love. Okay, so this is not relevant, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. I got the cutest little um like hot chocolate bombs today at Target. <gasps> oh. I'm going to make them with my mom. I'm very excited. I also got a really cute ornament this is relevant listen here i got this super cute christmas ornament from target that was like a stack of old books and i was just obsessed with it that's my new ornament to add to the tree this year oh my gosh that's such a good idea though hold on a book tree like to just decorate your tree in all bookish things like old vintage okay that all right actually is so genius okay listen listen here listen this i oh you're, this is why this is such a good idea. So I um, am planning on organizing. I had this in my brain for so long, a little like DIY Christmas ornament crafting thing with like little kids at my mom's school. My mom's an elementary school teacher. Also, today's her birthday. Shout out, Melissa. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Melissa. And to her identical twin, Melanie. They have the same birthday, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but I'm planning this craft session where they get to print out like the cover of their favorite books and wrap it around like a very small piece of styrofoam and turn them into Christmas ornaments. Oh my gosh. And now that you say that, that's such a good idea to do for your actual tree. And then you could like take like old like book pages and like maybe cut like snowflakes out of them or something like that. Or you can just, like, fold them accordion style, make them into yes. little stars. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. I mean, we've already... How many how many minutes are we into this and we've already tangent? Like, we've uh, already moved off of... Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, we need to bring it back. Bring it right back. Today... But it was so fun. Yes. Today, we are actually going to be talking about horror, thriller, mystery books, which is so fun that we get to talk about Colleen Hoover today because she's got, she's got that one book that includes her in this. Oh, yes. Yes. And we will talk about Verity. And, you know, we did, I just want to preface that the first outline of like how we're talking, it's not going to have any spoilers of Verity mm-hmm. for the first half. But we will let you know of spoiler alerts when we do talk about Verity because we will be having tons of spoilers. Oh, because 100%. I need I need to let this out. My soul needs to let this out on what happened with Verity and what I think. Occur- no, no, no. What I know mm-hmm. occurred. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a think, it's a no. Like, my bones feel it. Yeah. So, 
Um, but the first topic that we have are tropes in horror. And with all of these tropes, I mean, there's a very good chance you're going to die. So our episode is how not to get murdered. Really? Yeah. Well, I just think it's something to discuss because, you know, horror books are essentially just guides on getting murdered. And you know what? No one ever peels back the curtain. No one ever pulls an Uno reverse card and tells Mm -mm. you how to stay alive. And you know what? That's what we're trying to do here. I'm trying to make it, you know, all the way to the end there. I'm making it to the year 3000. Shout out to our final girl right now. Shout out to the final girl. (laughs) Thank you you so much. Um, That actually leads perfectly into this. One of my favorite tropes in horror is having a final girl. And I like it in novels that aren't just, like, slashers. I love a good, like, final girl... I love final girl energy so much. I recently considered getting this adorable necklace and it was a knife and it said final girl on it. And I was like, oh my God, I have to. But then I kind of thought, I feel like that would not fall in the instructions of how to not get murdered. I feel like I would be murdered for the irony of wearing something. That's true. Like at that point, I think that you cancel out being a final girl. Like you are no longer a final girl. And you will be killed. Yeah, you, you will so. absolutely be murdered. And then there'll be like a close-up shot of you wearing the necklace. And it'll be such a funny irony moment that you're dead. It would, though. It would. <laughs> so I it just circulates all around. Like, part of what makes a final girl character so, like, interesting and so easy to like is that she's so unaware of, like, how powerful she is. And that's the way that she survives. So you can't really broadcast that that it's kind of an oxymoron to identify. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's almost like if you were to wear that, would that be a pick me girl then? Like, are you teetering on that line of like, yeah, I think you are. Yeah. Pick me. I'm, I want to be killed now. Yeah. I want to be chased and then I want to survive so I can brag about it. Exactly. Like girl. Exactly. And no one's letting you get away with that. Nope. No. And also like we, we are using a lot of gender terms here. This applies to boys too. Oh yeah, absolutely. If, if you if you think that you would survive, you're already out. You are you're, you're already, already out. lost the game. <laughs> like if you're sitting there thinking, "No, I'm going to die." You have a good chance. There's a good chance that you could survive yes, this. Who knows? You know what? The universe loves a humble queen. Absolutely. <laughs> That's where all the gifts are given. Yes. A bitch be humble <laughs> every day. Um, <laughs> I think one of my favorite tropes has to be Anything to do with paranormal. So anything where there's something that's going bump in the night, you can't see it, what's happening. I mean, granted, a lot of, and I know we've talked about this before, but a lot of horror in the genre spectrum, it's it's very cliche and you can kind of blueprint what's going to happen. Um, but paranormal just has to be my favorite because for me, it's something where you can't destroy it unless... You know, you're going and, like, taking some hair from a person that's a thousand years old and you're having to, like, gray rob them or something. Um, Like, you have to do real work. When it's, like, a slasher, yeah, I guess, you're running. But, like, we all know how how that's going to end. There's going to be, like, a group of you and one of you is going to die. And then maybe two are going to live. Paranormal, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, that's very true. I love uh, authors who are not afraid to use some body horror. Like, I want to know how something feels when it touches you. I want to know how something tastes when it shoves its nasty tentacle in your mouth. All of those things. <laughs> Just, oh, excellent. Absolutely. Well, you talked about it, too, where it's, like, hitting all of the senses. Mm-hmm. And I think that if a book can complete that, that's a damn good writer. Mm-hmm. And that's a, it has to be a really good book, no matter you know, what direction it goes, the writing is still there. And it's very rare that I've come across books that do that. It doesn't matter if it's horror or any genre. Like, if you can do that, then you're winning my heart already. 100%. I feel like a good practice method for that. Hello, editor here. I'm doing editing talking right now. (laughs) This is like an exercise that I find really helpful to give to people that when I'm working with them on developmental edits and they need to beef up their descriptors is I usually start with um, food. Like I usually try and get them to give a little bit more description on like how the food that they're eating tastes. 
even though I actually don't really give a shit about reading that in books, but if yeah. you're a writer who's not really familiar with like playing to other senses, I always give that assignment first because there's there has to be a scene where they're going to eat some food unless we are in a horror movie and everyone's starving. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Someone pulls out a saltine cracker and it's like a 20 minute dialogue on how it smells. <laughs> yeah, it's like maybe cut that shit out. <laughs> that might not be very interesting. Um, okay, but see, what I think is wonderful is we have a real-life editor with us. Like, come on. For all of you writers out there, you're welcome. There's a little tidbit. Feel yeah. free. Yeah, that will be sprinkled in a lot in here. Um, just how I kind of, like, go about that. And examples of, like, really good examples that I give to my authors when we are going through, like, developments and things like that. Um, but that is one of them. And it's especially prevalent in horror works because that's the only way that it gets super scary because you don't have all of the easy outs that you have in movies where it's like I don't know how to make this scary I'm just going to make some nasty thing jump out at someone I'm going to play a really loud Mm. like bassy noise and then we're going to go on with our fucking day like you have to really put some effort into into that (laughs) (laughs) there's just so many there's just so many things I know with one of the books that we are going to be talking about our King Grady um, wrote a wonderful, he, so far from what I've heard, he has amazing books in general, but the one that I've read is My Best Friend's Exorcism. And when I say that that is disgustingly disturbing, but also the most amazing horror book that I've read in a long time, I really mean that. Like you need to go out and buy it because it reaches any person, even if they don't care for the horror genre. A hundred percent. I totally agree. We were talking about my angel mother and it's her birthday today. We were talking about her earlier. This is the only horror book I've ever been able to get her to read. And I sold it to her on the fact that it really, really like embodies that eighties nostalgia feel so well that like in, in a weird way for me, at least it's like a comfort book for me. It just reminds me so much of being a kid, even though I didn't grow up in the eighties at all um was not actually alive in the 80s so like i'm youthful so was not me i'm actually a very young spring chicken over here but um (laughs) yeah i i love that book and it actually is one i have a scene from it that i send to some of my um authors to help with that if you're down for spoilers i'm about to start talking about them there's a specific scene in there um there's a couple gross ones, but one of the nastiest ones in there is when um, one of the characters has essentially swallowed a tapeworm and, like, is unaware that they did that. <laughs> and um, she's, like, really sick and starving and no one knows why until one day our main character, Abby, goes over there to her house and they have to, they see the tapeworm and it crawls out of her mouth and it's like 13 feet and it's been taking up her intestines this entire time and eating all of her food and it's slimy and it's like covered in bile and like it is so gross and it like slithers out of her throat and like runs around the room oh that is one of oh the my gosh. nastiest scenes ever that is one of the grossest, scariest things that I've ever read in a book in my entire life. And I just ate that shit up. I yeah. Loved it. Like, I can't say I ever wanted to close the book. I wanted to continuously find out what was going on. I never wanted to be like, no, this is too much for me. Thank you. It was, <laughs> okay, no, I need to know what happens next. Mm-hmm. And that, again, is like the signs of such an amazing writer. And again, you need to go out and get this book. It's 100%. And it has, like, so many of my favorite tropes as well. Like, my all-time favorite trope, I think, in any horror or anything is, like, when we have the best friends that beat the evil. Yeah. Whatever it is. Like, I feel like that, I mean, it literally is called My Best Friend's Exorcism. So, obviously, we've got the two best friends (laughs) that save the world. I absolutely love that. I love that in It by Stephen King, the, like, getting the band back together, the group of kids that defeats evil yeah i love that that's like my favorite thing about horror is like it's always always a really really good friendship story that i find very. it really is because you find out who your friends are in that point 
Yeah. Like, okay, I have a murderer who's trying to kill us all, and um, we're going to find out who is the down person. Like, who is the actual ride or die? Yeah, honestly. Like, ask yourself this. Like, if your best friend right now would not pull a tapeworm out of your throat, then, like, are they even worth it? They're not. I can answer that. They're not. Yeah, because, you know what, Danny? I'd pull, I'd pull all the tapeworms out of your throat. Girl, I got you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> you need that shit out? I got you. I got you, I got you, bestie. <laughs> look at look at Grady. He's he's making the foundation of friendships left and right, and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> he doesn't even know. Like, hey, thank yeah. you so much. You're creating such good friendships around the world. Yeah, like that's the ultimate um, test. Yeah, like, honestly. Did you survive like very graphic body horror together? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we would. We hundred percent. We would. We absolutely would. I mean, I would drink that concoction, which I don't even know if I want to say what that concoction is. I would do that for you, Sydney. Oh, my God. I would do that for you, too. She's, <laughs> she's referring to, in the book, there's a scene where um, Abby, our, our main girl, is performing the exorcism, and her water that she's drinking turns into a big bottle of pee and bugs. It's just great. It's young. It's really, yeah. you know what, this whole book is about, like, what lengths would you go to for your bestie? And you know what? This book, I'm going to say it, would have never worked if the two main characters were high school boys. No. No. Absolutely and that's not. where, that's, wh- that's what I like about Grady's writing style too. Because he could have easily picked it, you know, being boys and he probably would have had a better knowledge base on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, no, I'm, I'm going to branch out i'm gonna do two like well a gaggle of girls honestly because it wasn't just two girls but we won't talk about the other ones because we don't like them no we do i don't like them no absolutely not they would not pull a tapeworm out of your throat they would not Mm -mm. drink pea juice for you absolutely not they wouldn't do any of that so bump them but yeah like i feel like horror always illustrates so well like particularly the extremes that like female friendship can go to yeah like that is always it's often the prevailing factor of a lot of horror even in big groups like sometimes there's only one girl but like she's always the one she's always the glue that keeps everything together yeah yeah when you look at stephen king's it that's she was Mm -hmm. the one i can't remember her name god what was her name whatever Beverly. Beverly, thank you. You're welcome. Oh, gosh. I just watched the, whatever, the movie the other day, and I was like, I'm not a fan of the new one. Um, mm-hmm. But she was the glue that held it together. And I would say that that's very true because a lot of times you're always pitting women against women. Mm-hmm. And you're always, especially in like romance novels or any regular novels, there's just this hatred of other women. But in horror, it's, Two people who hate each other that end up liking each other at the end or like fighting for each other at the end and going yeah. to these lengths of, you know, you can't come back from. That's going to be trauma. That's going to be like a really hard time to deal with. And they do it together and they hated each other in the beginning or they were friends, but they weren't as close. Like it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. And that's what I do like about horror. It like bonds you. Yeah, I think like we're figuring something out here because... Like, maybe that is why we, both of us, have, like, such a fascination and such a, a like of books like this. is because in books, especially, um, they typically are celebratory of women and their bonds and their friendships and, like, highlight the strength of that. And, like, that's how we got the final girl trope. Like, yeah. a lot of these books are the, are the ones that celebrate femininity and you know how girls and women can survive extreme trauma yeah but honestly we didn't need books to figure that out we knew that we, been <laughs> we knew that women could yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but no I completely agree I completely agree with that but what is one of the tropes that you hate the most when it comes to horror okay so I'm gonna I'm going to talk about something, and I'm going to talk about how to do it well, and how no one ever does that, and this is the reason why I hate it. (laughs) So, I actually like the base of the idea where, like, the killer is the person that you least expect, and someone that you've known the entire time. Um, And that's, like, the big twist. I love that. 
it's often not done very well and it ends in the person that you've known this entire time giving a very convoluted monologue of why they made all of these random decisions that make no sense for their character at all and then and then they pull like a scooby-doo moment where they're like and i would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for this i don't know random thing i hate that it infuriates me to no end it oh it makes me so mad yeah it's like why do you need it I, I, I've been watching you this whole time. I knew you were the killer, and I know why you're killing. Like, we don't need this. Yeah. I, it really, it, it salts my onions, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And in today's time, we are so consumed with horror and with, like, murders, Dateline, you know, 48-hour mystery, that there's all of these internet sleuths out there that they get this high off of, like, figuring out who the killer is. Mm-hmm. So they're inspecting that book back and forth. You don't need the monologue for people like that. You don't need... No. I think if you're going to have it where it's almost point blank as to who the killer is, you can do that well and you can write it and people will still like it. But it has to be something to where you're not giving that full, like, this is why I did everything. Or, you know, like, oh, this step and this step and this step. It just needs to just go fluidly. And yeah. I like what you're saying, too. Because there's that book that you have, too, right? The The one that you were talking about. Oh, yeah. Okay. This book is a great... I know exactly what you're talking about. This is such a good example of this. Um, it, the book is... You might know what I'm going to say. The Maidens by Alex mm-hmm. Michael Leides. That is how you pronounce his last name. Um, <laughs> the Maidens by Alex Michael Leides. Here's the thing. I... Uh, and don't hate me for this. I actually really, really like this book. I had a great time reading it. I thought his, like, descriptors of the environment were excellent. I absolutely love them. And they embody some more of my favorite tropes, which are, like, you know, that you going off to school, going off to these new things. If if you're still talking about not getting murdered, uh, don't go to college. You will get murdered. Don't go to high school. <laughs> you'll get murdered. Don't go to prom. Get you'll get murdered. Don't, like, move ever like don't move to a new house it will be haunted you will get murdered these are all things that you need to avoid if you want to stay just alive. stay in place 100 stay in place but don't do that either you will probably you that's true you might get murdered so uh this book and <laughs> this... a story you're dead yeah uh this book they it takes place on a college campus and the way it's described is so eerie and creepy um i think the way i've described it before is it is like an uncanny valley Christmas special. Yes. Because yes. like everything in it is like familiar but changed and it's very effective in horror and mystery at making something like genuinely creepy. The problem with this book is the ending. It is just one long long monologue and our girl the main character is like She's not putting anything together the entire time. It's not like, oh my god, everything clicks now, and it's you. Like, she's totally clueless, and then she finds out who did it, and they take their sweet time. They take their (laughs) sweet time in explaining everything to her, and it is exhausting, and it is just so forced. And what sucks, it was a cool idea. It was a really cool idea. It could have been something, but the way it's delivered is just like, it makes me want to snort wet cement through a straw. It makes me so mad. <laughs> I've never heard that before, but I'm going to use that now. <laughs> <laughs> this book made me want to snort wet cement through a straw. <laughs> Can we put that on a t-shirt? Like, that's that's t-shirt worthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I think we have two t-shirt quotes here. It's about snorting wet cement and... I would pull a tapeworm out of your throat for you. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, yeah, guys. Link in bio for our merch store. <laughs> All of our merch will be so nasty. Like, gonna, people are gonna be like tapeworms Ooh. and shit. <laughs> no one's um, gonna want to wear that. Yeah. I'll wear it though. It's fine. I'll wear it too. <laughs> I love that though, and I love your description of the book. I mean, when you told me originally about what the maidens was about like I I saw you post that you were reading it and then I saw you say absolutely not this is horrible and then you changed it because there was that time yes because we can do that you know um and then you finally like talked about the whole from point a to point b 
it made me want to read the book immediately. Like I have it in my TBR. Um, I'm ready to purchase it, everything. I might just have it jump up because it sounds so good. Granted, the ending may not be the best. Yeah, the ending but is not the vibe. I just love how you explain the book and the way of the writing because you said that he also talks about the five senses. Like he he hits you directly yes. in all of the feels. Yes, 100%. So. There's actually this one scene in it that I'll talk about now. This is not a spoiler of anything, but um, the way he did this, I absolutely loved. There's a scene where our main character and um, one of the people that she suspects to be the killer have dinner and he gets, um, I think it's lamb, and he gets it like totally rare, like essentially raw. And he describes everything on the plate being like bloody and cold, uh -huh. and like she's barely able to swallow it, and like he's just like ravenously eating it. And like just that scene in itself was like kind of horrific. Cause, like he described it as if it felt like. Like, if you're one of those people who's always trying to figure stuff out, you would think, oh, my God, if they're eating people, they're definitely eating people. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I was thinking as you were telling me this. So I'm glad yeah, that, like, well, I don't know. that vibe that, like, you totally could be thinking, oh, my God, this is definitely not lamb and it's about to be a big reveal. That's the way he describes it. And it's, like, it's so, it's so slimy. So he gross. takes you to the edge and then leaves it. Yeah. And then takes you to the edge and leaves it. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, for me, that's really good, especially in horror. Yes. And see, that's why I was so disappointed with the end because I was like, there's so many seeds around here of like what, what could be the truth and what could be happening. Everybody mm -hmm. in here is creepy as fuck. And the ending is just such a, such let a letdown. It's such a letdown. Oh. It made me so sad. It's like, if you can scare me, by having your main character eat a plate of dinner, then, like... <laughs> the expectation's high. The expectation is so high. Like, yeah. that was scarier than the end. The way he described oh, all of that was so nasty. Maybe at the end he was just like, you know what, I'm so tired of thinking of all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm just I'm going to end it he was, as is. He was honestly, he was over it. But at the same time, is that a way for him... To also mess with people and not creating the ending that people expected or write it in the way that they wanted because then is I feel like that's true horror is reading such an amazing book and at the end you're not getting what you want you're not getting the ending that you expected because now that's gonna mess with you for life <laughs> so did he win <laughs> maybe maybe he did it's still I still take issue with the delivery of it I'm not mad about who he chose I mm. am just mad at the way that it's revealed to us. Also because our main character who's supposed to be figuring all this out and is actually like really smart, like that the way it comes out makes her kind of stupid and you like wanted her to be smart. Oh. oh, it's like that thing where they give a woman in books like all of this power and then by the end of the book, so for whatever reason, she has to give up that power. Yeah. It's like, don't do that. Don't do that to this character that I've fallen in love with and that I want, I've had this expectation for. Exactly. Like, if, you, if you're telling me that she's incredibly smart and she's, um, she's a therapist, she's great at reading people, she can, like, look at you and know exactly what you're thinking, she's, you know, all of these different things, and yet she doesn't notice anything. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't make sense. Like, I choose to believe that she is this very, very smart and, like, quick-witted and um, very sensitive to her environment person and that the ending um, was a mischaracterization. That's how, like, yeah. I see it. Um, and I guess, like, that I feel like that happens often in a lot of, like, books that I read that are written by men. Not Grady Hendrix, he's the exception, but um, in a <laughs> Always lot of exception. books that I see that are written by men, and this is not a dig, it's just... I end up feeling like a sense of ownership, which I am not entitled to, <laughs> over like the final girl characters. And when they don't do final girl things, I'm like, well, you just fucked up the ending. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of books that I have that feeling for. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people do that where they just want this character. Like they, they just hold them and they're like, I am your parent now. Yes. I'm going to parent you throughout this whole book. Yeah. And if you don't do what I, if you don't go to college, I will end you. And that's, that's yeah. how I am with all the books. I totally support but, that. 
<laughs> so who is your favorite author? For who? Uh, I mean, I think for it's, horror. Yeah, it's pretty clear. Like my answer is Grady Hendrix. I am obsessed with him. I love everything he's ever written. I think it's so incredible that he can almost exclusively write from the female perspective and I it resonates so well with me especially my best friend's exorcism like some of the experiences that our main gal goes through like I literally went through the exact same thing I'm like how does he know <laughs> like how does he know <laughs> that like this is exactly what like growing up as like a prepubescent and adolescent girl was like down to like- I feel like he had to have done a lot of research. Like I, I genuinely feel like when he took these characters or any character that he writes into consideration, he wants to bring like a trueness to them. Mm -hmm. And he delves into all the research that he needs to and he really cares for these characters. I, I completely agree. Actually, um, I met him like somewhat recently. Uh, I, I want to say like a month ago um, at a book signing for Final Girl Support Group, which I also love. And um, the person in front of me was getting their book signed and they were talking, you know, about what they what they did. And like everybody got to have like a little five minute conversation with him. And I was obviously eavesdropping. And, um, as you should. As I should. As I am entitled to do so by being within a certain distance of another person. <laughs> I will be listening. I will be talking about it on a podcast. <laughs> so Little just, does he know. Just whisper when you're around me because um, <laughs> I am listening. <laughs> um, but the person in front of me was, talked about being like, um, I think they were a first responder or a, they did something um, in the like emergency medical field. And um, Grady was like, oh my gosh, can I interview you about like your day-to-day -day job because my next book is going to be centered around that and like I want to know as much as possible about like what you do every like when you wake up, when you have a breakfast, like what are you doing when you get there, like all of that stuff. And so that he got his contact information to like interview him for this next oh. book that he just announced oh the other day. So, um he definitely does do that, like with random people too. That he's just like, you're you're the one. I'm gonna talk to you about this, and that's like okay. how he makes his characters. And this is why we love him more. <laughs> I, we stand him so hard, and he was yes, so, we do so nice when I met him. Like I just absolutely loved him. And here's here's why I think I have a little bit more claim to being a final girl. And after I say this, I'll go back to being a humble queen. Um, <laughs> but he did write in my book when he signed my copy of Final Girls that he wouldn't say this to anybody else, but that he thought I was a final girl. And I was like, <laughs> You're like um, thank you. I lost my actual mind. I actually did. And then I got a picture with him and he, he was just so, so freaking nice. I will stand him forever. And My Best Friend's Exorcism is my favorite book of all time. I read it monthly. <laughs> <laughs> so it. this is a love letter to Colleen Hoover and to Grady Hendrix. Thank you. 100%. Love you both. Uh, more than life. I wish you two were my parents. Everything we do is dedicated. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could trade my mom sometimes. So that's fine. <laughs> I can't trade my mom on her birthday. <laughs> That'd be so Not on her birthday. <laughs> no. You got until tomorrow, Melissa. <laughs> yeah, watch out, Melissa. No, we, we also love Melissa. We do. We love Melissa. That's very true. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I think for me, my favorite has to be R.L. Stein. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's cliche. Of course, it's very childish because he wrote the Goosebumps. And that's how I was introduced to horror. Mm -hmm. uh, because I come from, I guess, I mean, I, I would read Harry Potter when I was younger, like, Right when I started reading, that's when the Harry Potter books came out. And my mom was like, you need to read this. Which, thank you, mother, for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, I would read that. Junie B. Jones, like, all of these little things. And then one day I was at the book fair and I was like, what is this creepy book? It was Goosebumps. And then I fell in love because not only does R.L. Stein depict this world where it's just children and them having to survive on their own without really any adult help. Um, he also, he wants to capitalize on the fact that it's okay to be weird. 
And like growing up, that was such a hard time for me because I was the weird kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the one sitting alone reading books at recess. So, <laughs> and you know, it didn't help that it was Goosebumps and the covers yeah. were like super awkward. <laughs> but, um, you know, reading those books, it kind of just felt like, okay, there is a place for me somewhere. And he always does those twists at the end, mm-hmm. which has made me into the person. Every time I read a book, I diagnose everything. Like I try to plan out every single step of how this book is going to end because that's what R.L. Stein taught me to do. He's yeah. like, don't be comfortable in what you think is going to happen. So he's making it. Yeah. I think <laughs> like, I totally get what you're talking about with like, people who are able to be, like, effective in telling horror stories that are centered around, like, kids and that, like, feeling of not fitting where you are. I think that's why, like, basic haunted house stories are so, so, so effective, which is, like, I think that that would be included in that. That's what I talk about in my, um, my thesis that I'm pretty sure you can find. It's published somewhere. Um, <laughs> somewhere. You're like, it's somewhere here. It's like, um, it won the top paper award at the National Communication Association conference last year. And so I'm pretty sure it's like in their journal or something. Um, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> they gave me a plaque and that was all I needed. <laughs> but, um, You're like, that's all I need. Thank you very much. But, um, I talk about like the metaphor of what a haunted house means and why I think that, horror tropes in media are the most effective vehicle in expressing trauma and things like that. And I think that particularly horror works that center around kids or are geared towards kids actually set up people to be able to cope with um, traumatic situations that they go through in, in life. And I think that's why it's so important. Yeah, I mean, until I never thought of that until you said something, um, because you'd previously talked about you writing this uh, paper, and it's just not something that I ever thought of. But when you look at other books, they like to romanticize trauma, mm-hmm. and they like to capitalize on it. Where I feel in horror, it's really showing you that it's not something to be romanticized. It's not something to be proud of. It's something to fear in a way, and it's something that you need to learn how to cope with because if you don't cope with it what's going to happen and you're in horror you're put into these situations where you have to get over or not get over but you have to deal with the trauma you have to put in the work yes and you have to do the same thing when you're reading a horror book i think this is a really good segue into talking about verity itself yes which spoilers will be everywhere the spoilers are beginning now (laughs) (laughs) the a lot of horror books the best ones i think um like require a lot of work when you're reading them um, and a lot of mental awareness and presence, which is kind of the same way it is when you're dealing with something scary and traumatic in real life. That's going to require the most of your mental effort and coping with. Yeah, I agree. Now with Verity though, mm-hmm. how would you describe, so anyone who doesn't really want to pick it up yet, kind of wants an idea of what the book is about. How would you describe it? Just in summary. Okay. So our main character, her name is Loan Ashley. She is a writer who's sort of down on her luck. Um, Girl's been through it. And um, she gets an opportunity of a lifetime to finish out a very popular book series for an author named Verity Crawford, who is now, because of medical conditions, unable to complete the book. So in doing so, she has to go to Verity's house, which is also where her family still lives, her husband and son, and go through all of the notes that Verity left for her book that she wasn't able to finish. So she has to go there, sort through all of them, write the rest of the books in place of Verity Crawford, and then chaos ensues from there when she goes to the house and starts to uncover the realities of the situation. That was a beautiful summary. That was so good. Oh, thank you so much. Because <laughs> you didn't... So that was for anyone who... It's, there's no spoilers in that portion of it. And I feel like it was very concise and exactly what the book is about. It draws you in. I feel like it's going to make a lot of people want to pick it yeah. up because they should. 
You totally Liz did. Colleen did a damn good job. I mean, um, for me, like, up until, like, the end of the book, I thought that it was a haunted house story. Like, even as I was reading it, I was like, really? this is a haunted house. Yeah, I mean, because you have so many moments where, like, things are moved and pictures are turned and doors are locked and the kid is, like, looking at the window and then when you look, no one's there and the kid's having conversations with people that aren't there. And so, oh, yeah. like, the whole time I was like, this house is fucking haunted, there are ghosts, and that's going to be, like, the whole <laughs> the whole twist. Um that is not the twist. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. The book The book has no cushion for you. You dive in and immediately there's a death. It's not just any death. It's gruesome as shit. Like, yeah. I was shocked. I was like, what the fuck does Sydney have me reading right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the end is, like, or the what? beginning is so crazy because, like, I mean, you open the book. Here's where the spoilers begin. The book begins with someone getting their head run, run over. over. Like, and their head explodes onto yes. our main character. Yes. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, like, that is not relevant to the story at all. At all. Like. At all. The only thing that it does is link two people who are relevant to the story together, who would have been linked together regardless yeah, they were of like, that happening. literally going to a meeting to meet each other. And on the way there, <laughs> some man's head explodes on on our on our girl. But that opens it up to me saying that I may be the minority in this, but I despise Lowen. Really? I do not like Lowen. Oh, tell I, me why. I hate her in so many ways. Um, and it's because, well, not only, not only is she sleeping with a married man, um, which she has her own issues, and I'll give her that, but she doesn't like pizza. And I really <laughs> feel like that is downright diabolical. It's sacrilegious. That's not right. And I don't trust her. She's a shady bitch. If you don't like pizza, you're shady. You don't like dough. And you don't, you don't like calories. You don't like carbs. Like, what's wrong with you? And cheese? So that's the, that was that's the starting red flag point. flag number one. Red flag. Numero red uno. flag. Sure. She's getting it on with a married man. Whatever. But <laughs> not liking pizza is really pissing me off. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, I, it's kind of like... um. It's an entitled thing to say, I think. It's like, oh, it was, you're too good it for was. a fucking pizza hut? For a pizza? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Don't tell me that you did not crave something when you were, like, having late night benders. Yeah. <laughs> like, she did. I'm sorry, I don't have any foie gras and filet We can't always call here. Taco Bell. <laughs> like, I, she probably doesn't like Taco Bell, too. But it wasn't, I mean, the pizza was the red flag for me. That was the first thing. It's just, she... She just seemed pretentious in a way. And maybe that's what it was too. Like, oh, I don't like pizza. But she she had her own set of trauma. But I didn't find her trauma. It's going to sound wrong. It's going to sound wrong. But I did not find her trauma as like newsworthy. You know, like I, I think it just comes from a place where we all have experienced trauma. But it just seemed like she was so unrelenting and wanting to get out of that. Or like when you had everyone's trauma matters but when you have jeremy's story and the things that he went through and then you have lowen i'm like girl don't even talk like this guy this guy's been through a lot right now i don't know i hear you my thing i think i do like lowen i i liked her a lot yeah. and i liked um i think i connected with the way that she like viewed her career, I think the way she um, operates is something that a lot of creatives can connect with, where, like, you are never able to see the merit in your own work, even if it is, like, you know, objectively, it's good. Yeah. She's a published author um, with an agent and is getting deals. She gets this deal. So, like, yeah. I, I that resonated with me, especially the line where she's, like, I'm terrible at marketing my books. I'm like, here's this thing I wrote. Read it if you want. It's kind of okay. Like, I like yeah. her attitude about that where, like, she's obviously not, like, just bending over it, eating her own asshole about how talented she is all the time. She wasn't Verity. She was not Verity. <laughs> she, like, she was just very different. And I think, you know what? 
actually I think part of what it is is that I disliked Verity so much and I thought that Lowen was such a good counterpoint to Verity. Yeah. So like when given like the two next to each other and like seeing the stark contrast like my dislike of Verity made me like Lowen. How do you feel about Verity? Um, With Verity she's just psycho she's psycho and I, I there was nothing about her that i found savory nothing about her that i enjoyed mm-hmm. other than the fact that she was a villain and yeah. she was a villain in a way that it was so heinous it was almost worse than any other book that i've read where they have villains mm-hmm. because just the way that her mind would go to about her children about her life about herself was so horrific that I was so, I was off put by her. Now I, I knew that bitch could walk. <laughs> okay. Like <laughs> I knew. <laughs> so you never thought like, okay, maybe this house is haunted. Like you were like, no, this bitch is crazy. She is so, up here running around. She's doing fucking marathons. Did. <laughs> yes. Oh, did. But so the very first like chapter of the book, I thought, because I looked up what, you know, Colleen's books have been about in the past. So this did not meet the definition of a book of hers no, in my not. eyes. So I'm thinking that this is going to be, (laughs) this is going to be something where it's like me before you, where there's someone paralyzed, but instead of this person falling in love with the paralyzed person, it's just like two people having a romance on the side. Mm -hmm. And then maybe Verity dies at some point for some unknown reason. Like I thought it was going to be a romance and maybe that there would be this shunned thing of like, uh, you know, an affair. But do you call it an affair when this person is paralyzed? Like, that's what I thought you struggling between falling in love with these two people and these two characters together, knowing that what they're doing isn't 100% okay. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, that little boy starts talking and hearing things. And I'm like, oh, that bitch can move. God, oh, she, she can move. so creepy. So, like, I went through these different... Well, also, I think we haven't even clarified this yet. We need to do that. Are you team letter or team manuscript? What do you think is the truth? Um, I am team manuscript. Okay, me too. Okay, good. Thank God. <laughs> the letter, I have so many things to say no, about that, that letter. That letter is bullshit. That letter made me think, Verity is a terrible writer. This is so, like, she did not, what is she talking about? There were so many flaws in what she wrote yeah. and how she put it. At least for me, that's why I feel it in my bones. Yeah. Because I know that this is, this is it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, it, it was stupid. Like, the, her... Her excuses that she came up with on the fly for that letter, um, like, girl, you can tell you did not think that out. You can tell you did not have an outline. You were dra- this letter was a draft. Um, yeah. And so with her and her writing exercise, her what she claimed to be her writing exercise, come on. That's not, for me, that was so dumb because any individual who's able to trick doctors on their... Like, that their bodies can't move. Yeah. First off, you're already a psychopath at that point. If you can't move for three months, um, if you're tricking doctors into, like, that kind of state, mm, you're a psychopath. Yes. So you're there's no way that you're a reason, like, level-headed person. And if that were also the case, if he had tried to kill you and you didn't actually do those heinous things to your children, you probably would have told the doctors I would say, like, a reasonable person would be like, hey, my husband straight up tried to kill me. Yeah. yeah. But she didn't She didn't do that. And then her not taking her son, because if she was in fear of her own life, I would assume that she'd be in fear of her son's life. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't she take her son out immediately? Why would she wait so long to do that? But I think what really got me is whenever she was talking about having that meeting with her editor or publisher and they had suggested doing the whole you know writing exercise and how Jeremy wasn't listening he was on his phone and she didn't want to disturb him but it pissed her off to me that was the real verity in all of her manuscript she was afraid of pissing him off she was afraid of setting him off so if this were the real verity if the real verity were the person who that was just a writing exercise then I assume she would have like told her husband, hey, get off your phone. Yeah. But instead, she was still worried about how he would look at her. That is such a good point. That is literally such a good point because that, you're so right. That character trait is only present in the real Verity. Like, yeah. not having the guts 
to like face him and mm -hmm. also a trait of the real Verity that goes against everything in the letter is like being willing to compromise her body which she is like obviously very invested in and always has been in order to please or manipulate Jeremy and yeah like she she describes it in the manuscript that like she is willing to ruin her body for him by bearing children yeah and like she explains that like when she tells him that she's pregnant with their third kid she's not actually pregnant yet he, she just wants him to like her again yeah and, and then, she's willing to go through that again knowing that she hated everything about it yeah and didn't even want kids in the first place so like of course she's willing to like act like she's you know fucking paraplegic yeah. and all that social <laughs> get attention like of course she's willing to do that of course like she would be the bitch that i would think wouldn't like pizza she probably didn't either that probably yeah. that's probably why i hate both of them honestly that's jeremy just has a bad type <laughs> he does yeah. he does and so what are your thoughts though on lowen not showing him the letter i think it i think it's odd i think it is odd because that plants the seed that Lowen thinks it could be true. Yeah. Like, I think that is also a very unsettling part of the ending is that now, like, of course, we are totally team manuscript. Most people that I see are talking about online are team manuscript. Yeah. However, the letter, like, the fact that Lowen keeps it from Jeremy kind of plants a seed in your mind that, okay, like, Lowen, who has actually lived this story, thinks that there could be a grain of truth and if Jeremy ever admitted this to her it would ruin everything so she doesn't yeah. show him the letter because like yeah. she would rather not risk it and live in this perfect bubble that his wife was a psychopath child murderer and there's no way this letter could be true but like if she actually thought that if her if she was actually so certain in her bones that it wasn't true then she would have shown it to him I do feel that too I do feel that because it puts a little bit of doubt in all of our minds. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. But for Verity, for her writing that, I don't think that she thought anyone else would find it other than Jeremy. And there was still the possibility that he would never find it. Um, but that's how insane she was as she lived in this world of possibilities and what if. So she had something for every single what if. Yeah. And it's almost like she relished the idea of haunting him. Yes. Whether she was dead or alive. And he, knowing that he had to take care of like this broken and empty shell of a woman that he once loved, but also then tried to kill <laughs> that, I feel like that already got her off. Like that was already something that she was happy about mm -hmm. because now she has to, her wishes come true. He has to take care of her forever yes. and he can never leave her. Um, like and then haunting him. Exactly. It's what she always wanted. And then I think she realized that it started to unravel when Lowen came into the picture because she didn't expect there to be another woman. Mm -hmm. And that's when things hit that. I also want to know why that poor kid kept getting injured. Like, was she hurting him? Yeah, I don't know. Like, there was like a knife and all the stuff that... Yeah, because... That was super weird. It was... Also, you can't tell me that kid's not going to end up just like his mother. He was such a weirdo. Yeah. That's the He's other a thing, too, is, like, the kid is super creepy and weird, and it's like, that shit's hereditary, bestie. Like, that kid yeah. would be normal if his mom wasn't a psychopath. It's like... Like, that... what's that What's that gene, or that gene that's for psychopaths or serial killers? There's, like, a certain gene that they all have. That kid has it. <laughs> that kid totally has it, and he got it his fucking mother. Like, that, that right there, his creepiness is evidence to me that she's a psychopath, and she passed it down to him. I was almost thinking, like, is this The Shining? Yeah. Is his head going to start, like, twirling around? Because yeah. he was giving me that vibe. Yeah, like, nonstop. While, that was one of my theories. Like, when I was like, okay, the house is not haunted. I think maybe this kid is just evil and killed his sisters. And, That's what I was thinking like, for a little bit, too. Hurt his mom. Like, maybe that is the whole deal. That still would have been a good book. <laughs> yeah, that would have been super cool. And I think honestly that is, like, part of why Verity is so good is because... Like, any direction that she went in would have been crazy interesting. So, like, the amount of time that you spend, like, going down each path 
is like so cool and creepy because it's all- still good. It's yeah. still a good book regardless of where it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I felt the entire time. I was so enamored by the book. I I love Jeremy. Like there's a lot of people, a lot of people who don't like him. And I just, I love him. And I think they don't like him because I guess he tried to kill his wife. Yeah. And he, but... Well, he did kill his wife, but whatever, you know, <laughs> semantics. Um, and also he cheated on his wife. But to me, he took care of a woman who he thought killed his kids. Yeah. Like how kind can you be? Yeah. Sure, he tried to kill her first, but it didn't succeed. So he still took her in and like, you know, did what he needed to do, I guess. Yeah. But that, but he didn't try that. The the fact that he tried to kill her was like what she put in the letter, which is another reason why I think the letter's not true. It's like now that I think about it, now that we're talking about it, I think maybe she actually did only intend for Lowen to find it because to, yeah. In the because... manuscript, she says that um, she or no 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 is it in the manuscript oh fuck somewhere in the book outside of the letter that says that she crashes her car her own car into the tree and that's, because she planned that yeah and that's how she's injured the letter says that jeremy tried to kill her and then like put her in the front seat oh my god so she actually oh my wrote god. this letter intending for lowen to find it so that she, she i think she leave. did so that she was. <gasps> what a psycho bitch! She's good though. She's damn good. Like wow. you can't fault Verity for the fact that her brain is just so, so insane. Twisty. Like, because you know what? That she puts in the work. She's she puts in the work. Yeah. I mean, but what are you gonna do when you're spending like how many hours? Fourteen hours in a bed, not moving. Yeah. I feel like you have to think of something. Damn. So that is why for me, Verity was a ten out of ten. Super twisty and super crazy. I ranked it up there with my best friend's exorcism. Just absolutely incredible. I had to, like, give my mom a little bit of time. After she read it, she, like, totally just took the letter to be truth. Like, she didn't... Really? Well, she didn't, like, take a moment to think, like, oh, but do we trust Verity? And so when she read the book and she was like, wait, so he's the bad guy? I was like, well... You kind of get to decide, do you think the letter is true or not? And my mom was like, oh my god. So, like, I think you have to go in knowing that you have a little bit of control over what you decide the ending is. Yeah, because it's very Shutter Island. It's very Shutter Island-like. And that's that's what I love, because Shutter Island is one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. I don't... I think it's a book, too. I didn't read the book. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I like the idea... I know a lot of people aren't a fan of it, but I like the idea of having it open to interpretation, but it has to be done like this. It can't be done. I really can't see it being done in any other genre other than horror where I would like it. It has to be horror. And that's why I do consider Verity not just a thriller, but a horror novel itself, you know, as well. Because I mean, there is, there is a malevolent phantom in this home that you don't know what it is. And Lowen, Lowen then starts to, get in this like mind frame of am I going crazy which attributes to her childhood and what happened in her childhood to where she would think she's crazy and Jeremy would think she's crazy if she starts seeing Verity running around yeah I just can't (laughs) oh my god put that up as a 10 out of 10 that is why it is our book of the month um please please let us know your thoughts over on our Instagram, which is at the yes. Book Club. We want to know what, what you're thinking. Are you team letter? Are you team manuscript? Did you yes. just figure out everything that we just figured out right now in this very moment? Or did you already know that? And are we stupid? Like, please let us know. Yes, please let us know. We, we have to find out. And also, if there are any questions that you have that you would like to get answered, because we have an editor here. So oh, yeah. any questions that you have in writing, just let us know. Maybe we will have an episode one day just fully dedicated to any questions, anything that you guys have for editing. I can't help you in that because I'm not an editor, but I can ask the question. <laughs> well, you're going to be you're going to be the one who I use for developmental edits for my own books. Good. Because <laughs> um, cause you can't do it yourself. You'll fuck it up. No. Yeah. That's, that's my professional opinion. Please, besties, don't try to do it all by yourself. Don't Someone do else yeah. has to look at it. Um, yes. If you love your book, which I'm sure you do because you spend a lot of time writing it, then send it to someone else to have it looked at. 
Yes, you can send it to me. Um, <laughs> I will help you. Um, do you want to, since we already kind of talked about Final Girls and My Best Friend's Exorcism, do you want to skip to the ending of like what we're reading yeah. and all that? Okay, cool. Okay, so what are you currently reading? I am currently reading, here, I'll pull up the dust jacket because I always take them off while I'm reading a book. I am reading Animal by Lisa Tadeo. I think is how you say her last name. Ooh. So, uh, little dust jacket. The first line up here is, I am depraved. I hope you like me. And um, <laughs> I saw it on sale at Barnes & Noble, and I hadn't actually heard of it before. Um, but I read the little description, and it is essentially about a woman who has gone through something very traumatic. I haven't gotten to the part where they tell me what it is yet. Um, but she's Ooh. gone through something very, very traumatic, and it's shaped the way that she lives her life. Um, and she's, like, basically succumbed to her basal instincts and just is living her life, doing whatever the fuck she wants. We're not mad about it. We are not mad about it. And so... Like, I really, really like it so far. I will say the writing style is, like, it's trying to be Sally Rooney, and it's not quite Sally Rooney so far. I'm, like, 100 pages in. Yeah. It's, like, it's missing that mark just a little bit, but I still am really, really enjoying it so far. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's so rare to see, um, like, female characters who talk about sex this way just like so brazen and so detached oh, wow. from it it's so so interesting like i like that yeah i really it's really like a breath of like fresh it. air yeah i'm reading it right after i just finished my dark vanessa which um had some similar elements in it just a lot of like darkness and trauma that shapes the way that these women view like sexual relationships super interesting so far i really really like it i'll come back with with my, with my ratings. Um, what are you currently reading? Um, so now I am laughing at my books <laughs> because currently I am reading Claimed by the Horde King. Yes! Yeah. Oh, such a good book. Okay. Yes. yes. What? Tell me what yes. you're thinking. Um, okay, so I read the first one, which was Captain, Captain of the Horde King. King. <laughs> and I was like, this is very, it's, it's very similar to Ice Planet Barbarians. It's very similar to it. Um, I think that I like the Horde better. And that's probably just because I the men just sound better. But, yes. <laughs> but the storylines are very similar. Um, I, and I like the, the fact or the idea that they're not... It's not just a whole bunch of women crash landed on this place. Like, it is this person who just has fallen in love immediately with this girl... And he's taking her away from this awful environment that she's in. Um, and she's not understanding what he's doing. And she just thinks that he's, like, awful and evil. And that I love that. That's one of those tropes that I love. Yes. Where it's... I wouldn't say it's enemies to lovers. Because he's they're not enemies. And he's definitely not hating her. He's loving yeah. her in every bit. Yeah. But... <laughs> I don't know. I just... I enjoy it so much. Um, it's one of those... It's like a mindless read. It's a good smut book. Yeah. But there's a little bit more depth than what yes. you're going to get in a lot of smut books. And that's what I appreciate. Um, <laughs> I'm also reading The X-Hex. Oh, which, yeah. I keep seeing that everywhere. Like, to the point where uh, yeah. I kind of want to block ads about it. I'm like, please stop with this. I don't want to say all that I'm feeling about it. But it's okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was good. That was a good way to say it. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Um, it's just very, like, I don't know, niche -y. It's very, like, in love, I don't know, romance with witches. I like Kind of like 80s romance. I do, too. It's, I don't know. I, Maybe I'm ruined. I'm ruined by a lot of other books, too, you know? Because yeah. you're always comparing it. And so it's really hard for me to not compare it against other books. But I think mm -hmm. that it's a good read. It's a good story. And I'm having a fun time with it. Good. Yeah. I think I haven't read it. And I don't think I will. On the basis that it's been advertised to me too much. That I feel like no one is telling me the truth. <laughs> I don't ever of what's trust happening. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Yeah. I thought it'd be cute. I wanted to read it around, like, October. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm going to read The Horde. So then I just, yes. like, There's... diving into The Horde. Okay. When you are... <laughs> so I desperately need us to plan, even maybe the next episode, to talk about the differences between romance and erotica where does like a classic Kindle Unlimited smut book fall on that spectrum? And we need to yes. talk about the whole Horror King series because the fourth book in that series, I am not fucking kidding you guys. That is one of my favorite reads oh, from this year. I put it up there with the, with Akatar. <laughs> I put it up there. <laughs> it is so, so good. I will oh, die my on gosh. that hill. It's phenomenal. SJM is like quivering right now. <laughs> she should be. Zoe Draven is coming for her. Zoe Draven is, uh, is going to take over. Oh. I, I, that's what I like because it is depth. It has depth and it's smut and it's, it's good. Oh, it's everything. It's good. Especially the it's fourth so good. one. I'm really excited. I'm almost done with Claim by the um, Horde King, so... The next one is Madness of the Horde King. It's also fantastic. You're, like, off the top of your head, I've already got this. This is cute in my soul. It literally <laughs> is. Like, I recommend it to everyone, and I have no shame in it. I used to be a little bit embarrassed because, like, the covers are, like, shirtless men. And then <laughs> I read them, and I was like, you know what? Fuck that. This series is it's so, so good. good. You can so good. convince me otherwise. Pure poetry, just excellent prose, wonderful, 10 out of 10. It's amazing. I need to stop talking about it now and save the rest of it for another episode. Hold on, though. Hold on. With Claimed by the Horde King, Thesey, why was I crying? Why was I, I freaking know. crying? I know. I know. They all have, like, the little nicknames and stuff for them, but it just... Oh, my God. Oh, and it, then he he stopped and then took her into that little cave or wherever where it has all the feces and I was yes. like oh, my heart. I know. <laughs> yes. No. That and um Okay, wait, no, you haven't read the third one yet. I'm not gonna talk about it. <laughs> I'll save that. I'll save it for another time. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now's probably a great time to wrap up because otherwise I yes. will only talk about horde kings. For the next hour, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So thank you guys so much for listening to our first episode. Don't forget to follow us on social media at the Bourbon Book Club on Instagram and on TikTok. We're still doing fun giveaways over there. We're still doing fun templates and things like that that you can fill out. It's honestly a great place to be. I highly recommend it objectively. It's just, uh, wow, a 10 out of 10 experience, truly. Um, so uh, thank you again. Don't forget to subscribe, and we will see you again on Tuesday.